My guest on this week's episode of Suds and Search is Noah Lerner, Vice President of Product at Two Octobers and founder of Branch Tools. Throughout the past couple of years, Noah has been one of the most extraordinary digital marketers to follow. He's ubiquitous on the conference circuit, he's a must-follow on social media, and most importantly, he's been creating some of the best SEO tools I've ever seen. Despite all of his success, Noah remains one of the most humble and enjoyable conversation partners I've had on the show. He's always working and always generous with his time and contributions to our industry. I caught up with Noah after a whirlwind summer. He spoke at MozCon, SearchLove, and Local U. He's got a super successful clubhouse room going. I'm going to start our conversation asking him about his summer and dive into some questions about his MozCon presentation. The presentation is about the 2 October's method for building content. How is Noah using tools and automation to collect data at scale? How do we curate the data so that we can take meaningful action? What about the clients and their goals and expectation? I'm going to ask Noah these questions and many more. Grab something cold to drink and join me for a conversation with Noah Lerner. We'll chat about Explorer, a tool he created that is an SEO strategist's dream. We'll talk about why you should think in terms of topics, not keywords. And I'm going to ask Noah about his unrivaled passion for this industry. All right, Noah Lerner, welcome back. Mark. Welcome back to Sutton Search. How you doing? I'm doing amazing. It's, How are you today? It's so great to have you back. Um, one of my favorite people in the whole industry. So I went back and looked at our last talk, and a lot of what you talked about was like kind of like a three-year, this, this culmination of three years of really putting your head down, getting really good at your craft and, and doing well. It seems like this summer was the ultimate culmination of that hard work. You you were speaking all over the place. You were at a little conference called MozCon. You were at Local U. I saw you at Search Love. You've got this clubhouse thing going. You've got new tools going. Like, you are nonstop. Catch me up on your summer and everything that's been going on with you in two Octobers. Awesome to be here with you today, Mark. I love you guys. I just think this is just one of the, if not the best podcast or video vlog in SEO. I love your intros. I love all the work you put into it. Okay, so uh, what has this summer been like? <laughs> uh, Search Love was super. <laughs> Search Love was super super fun. Uh, I got COVID while I was there. I also found my voice in speaking, which is really really delightful because I I was really. Uh, struggling before that to really kind of find my stride uh, when I talked in person. And when I came home, I got COVID. And while I was lying in bed, I, I learned how to deal with uh, a number of things. Like the hardest part for me of having COVID was, was having panic attacks. Mm -hmm. And I had like 15 of them while I was sick. And the first bat one was so bad that I actually fainted. Oh my God. And part of learning to deal with anxiety is learning how to breathe. And the techniques that I learned to deal with that kind of anxiety uh, and, and sort of like panic attackiness helped me get ready to speak on stage. And it completely transformed the experience of talking from being one where you're just like completely nervous and having all the sweaty stuff and just feeling awful to being one where I like really looked forward to it. And I had a lot of fun when I got to do the deck. So it was really just a transformative kind of experience for me. Well, I love that. And, you know, I, I, and then local you was great and tons of fly fishing. And Sorry about that. I didn't mean to jump over you. No, no, that's great. And I, I mean, I, I appreciate that sentiment because from the outside, you can, you can watch you and you just go, this, this is what a life. This looks great. 
but it comes with a decent amount of anxiety. I didn't know you had, were going through all that. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that's, that's an amazing thing to overcome and Oof. what a summer. Yeah. I mean, amazing. So here's my, here's my first question. I have heard someone say that when you work hard, when you work hard at something you don't like, it's called stress. When you work hard at something you like, it's called passion. <laughs> Unless you are a very good actor, yeah. you seem like you have an unrivaled amount of passion for this kind of work. What what keeps you excited about this? What keeps you energized? Uh, I do. I feel like I have the best job in the entire world. And uh, I think the heart of that is the team that I'm a part of. I'm incredibly lucky to work with uh, people like Chris Scavish, who's our principal, and Nico Brooks, who's in, who was really the reason why I joined Two Octobers. And uh, so it comes from like a passion of being part of something special. But then the actual work, the day-to-day -day work, uh, the thing that I love is solving problems. And, in, and so like every day is a new puzzle. And every day has its new challenges and, and new technologies and new learning. And, and that's kind of the core of what gets me incredibly jacked up, jacked is just like learning stuff all the time. So it's like constant knowledge acquisition on one hand, and then synthesis of all the stuff that I learn on the other, in order to be able to kind of put those things together to solve problems that I wasn't able to solve, you know, X quantity of weeks or months or years ago. That's what gets me like super, super excited. Plus the people side, like I love all of the people that we get to talk to, all the digital marketers, all the SEOs, like uh, the way that they share with me how they think, how they see things, how they analyze data. I get to hear like really interesting ways of thinking that I put in my little bag of tricks, but I also learn a lot about the problems that people have. And then that gets my brain turning about how maybe I could help solve some of those problems. I love that. I mean, I, 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 I appreciate it so much. And I, I, saw something recently that made me think of you. So Patrick Stocks wrote a blog post on Ahrefs that said that 46% of searches are anonymized in Search Console. So basically, if you were like I was before I met mm -hmm. Noah Lerner and thought Search Console might be off by a little bit, but it's basically straight from the search engine, so it's, uh, it's more or less the truth, you would be sorely mistaken. Like half of the data is anonymized. That seems like a lot to me. So Patrick is on to something that you've been talking to me about for well over a year now, maybe almost close to two years. It's, uh, you know, I think it would be really good for anyone who didn't watch your first appearance. In your own words, how would you describe the data that is being shown in native Google Search Console today? Oh, great question. So when you log into Search Console and you go to the performance tab and any other tab really inside Search Console, Google limits our visibility to a thousand rows at a time. You can use filters across the top of most reports to be able to filter that data down. Uh, but really, we can only see a thousand rows at a time. And the other problem with it is that it only allows us to see stuff inside the context of one dimension at a time. So I can see queries, or I can see pages, or devices, or countries, but I can't sort of get the context and the meaning of multiple dimensions together in the same view. Huh. All right. So that brings, does that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And, and that brings me to branch Explorer. So we talked about it the last time you were on, but I want to, again, because I, I love it and I, I freak out about it all the time. And so if anyone watching this is 
surprise. And that's, that seems like a lot of data loss to you. You don't have to live like this. You can get access to big data, <laughs> just like the big companies. And so Noah learners yeah. got you. How does branch Explorer help fill those gaps? How, how do you kind of uh, fill in where? What, what oh, okay. Like? Yeah. Great question. So um, we work in partnership with another company called Jepto and our tool is an extension available inside of Jepto. And basically what we do is Jepto pipelines in the data, which is like up to 50,000 rows of data per day. So right away you're like, holy yeah. moly, that's so much data. And then our tool, Branch Explorer, is a couple different things. It's both of, it's both like a, a, a transform step, which means that we transform the data coming out of the API to make it more useful. And then it pipes the data into a product called Google BigQuery, which is basically a huge data, data, uh, a database or file store. And then it's also the second part is a Google Data Studio-based tool for visualizing all that data to find hidden insights that otherwise you wouldn't find in Search Console based on those limitations of 1,000 rows at a time. And uh, that, that to me is the amazing thing. And I think the other piece is just sort of like it was built by an SEO right. versus built by a bunch of developers. And what that means is that I've talked to hundreds of SEOs to learn about how they want to see data, how they want to be able to customize their views, what's meaningful, what, what helps them find insights. And then we built view after view after view to kind of deliver on those requests. Uh, and, and I think it's, by far the most powerful way to look at Search Console data available today. It's not perfect, but it's incredibly powerful. I agree. And I think one of the things that's really cool is it's accessible for small businesses. So it's not, you don't have to be, you know, Fortune 500 to get this. Like the, the, the price point, right. the, the, the technology, it works for mom and pops or anybody who's just getting started, bike shops, anybody who wants this data, um, it's, it's accessible for everybody. So it's really democratized it. So Here's the other thing about Patrick's post that I thought of. It's like the average is 46% of searches. So that means that a lot of people have more than that. You could easily be missing two thirds of the data in search council. That wouldn't be alarming at all. And that really limits how effective we can be. So we can't be as strategic. Also, all these like things you can slice and dice and, and use. And I want to get into that later. But I wonder, as you've, as you've kind of now had about a year of talking to SEOs about it, has there been a lot of conversation where people go, Noah, before Branch Explorer, I used to fill in the blank. Uh, what is in that blank? What are the consequences for marketers? What are people relaying back to you about what they've gotten out of this tool? So a couple of things, and that's really cool that you mentioned it that way. Um, the first is like people use tools like Google Sheets, native data studio connectors, and tools like Analytics Edge which are inside of Excel. And uh, what they talked about as that kind of transformative experience of using Explorer after was just like, oh my God, these are all the things that I wished I could do before. And it just works the way that I wished it did. And that's sort of like finding keyword, op, um, keyword cannibalization issues, finding keyword um, expansion, the ability to do technical forensic SEO analysis at the directory page and query level, trending queries, trending 
pages. So we can see like which pages are trending positively and negatively for clicks, impressions, and position. Uh, there's just so many different ways that basically our, our vision was to build something that would allow you to slice and dice your search data any way that you wanted. So you can totally customize it and set it up any way that you wanted and to have it be sort of like a foundation to build upon so you can join Search Console data with other data sources like Google Analytics, Google Ads, Facebook Ads, CRM data, whatever you wanted really. But we wanted to have something that was like a really rock solid foundation to build upon and then over time kind of improve it with new features and, and new capabilities. Like the thing I'm most excited about now, there's two things actually that we're working on that I think are going to be pretty cool. The first is, in addition to Data Studio, we're going to be pulling visualizations into uh, Jepto to make it even easier for people who don't have a lot of like Data Studio experience to be able to still see the data. And then the second piece is, and you actually would be, you, this will make you chuckle, uh, we're working on uh, like a custom Explorer implementation like we we built something that we had sold a number of last year to some of the best agencies in the country. Including And we've been working on its successor, which is really exciting to me because we're engineering it differently so that we can actually update a GitHub repo, like a master repo, and it'll push updates out to all of the uh, all of the implementations that are out there, which means that like if an if an agency uses data, and they have a whole bunch of different uh, SEO clients, it'll be really neat because we can install all of the tech in their Google Cloud project and run the tool. And and you've had a year of of using it. I mean, like it's it's a pretty, I think it's a pretty great solution. It's not perfect. And there's definitely some support needs. Like there are times where we get to chat about like maintenance stuff, but like overall, I think it's a really robust production ready quality kind of solution. No, no question. And I, I, I don't usually like promote other people's things, but I really recommend people get in touch with you. I, I think it's been a game changer and I think it's one of the coolest things I've seen in a long, long time in SEO. So let me shift gears a little bit. Cause I mentioned at the top of the show that you've been speaking all Good. over the place. I wanted to ask you about some of your more recent presentations where you've been talking about the two Octobers method. Someone, someone who's been listening to this, yeah. you know, who's trying to build content for a website, they know how tough it is. It's tough to build content. It's tougher still if you don't have data. And so the logical thing would be, you know, get with Noah, get all that data, find a bunch of keywords, use those keywords in the content on the site. And you say, not so fast, my friend. Don't think in terms of keywords. Think in terms of topics. Don't think in terms of keywords. Right. Think in terms of topics. Unpack this concept for me. Well, keywords are like special you words that we use to talk about things. And the things that, that they're used to talk about are things called entities. Entities can be nouns. They can be um, ideas, concepts. And uh, those Things are the subjects and the subjects are topics, sort of like the big bucket that all a whole families and families of keywords are all related to. And so I feel like Google is paying a huge, huge amount of attention to this concept of 
of knowledge and knowledge acquisition that the user can get when they go to a specific website. And if one website has thin content that sort of scratches the surface and sort of feels like every other website or web page ever written about that topic, that page isn't going to rank. Whereas if you talk about the entire topic and all the questions that pop up that people might have about how to research about that topic how to or item or product, how to buy it, how to own it, how to repair it, how to replace it. If you can kind of talk about that whole part of the, the life cycle or the buyer's journey, both pre, during, and post-purchase, then you're going to have a much better chance of ranking. So that that's where my head's at. Like I want to build um, a really neat addition to our product that that's doing topic clustering. And what I talked about um, this summer was really leveraging a whole bunch of different methods. And we're actually now um, working on doing topic clustering, which I think is going to be really great for e-commerce websites yeah. based on brand, category, and product type so that we can match match stuff down and sort of bucket it into different brands, categories, and product types. And I think if we start leveraging things like Merchant Center feeds to help inform that process, we're going to have some really interesting outputs. Service, service-based businesses and B2B and lead gen and publishing, I think is a different sort of animal altogether, but e-com websites, I think that we can have some pretty nice impact with that. Well, outstanding. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to those updates, but I want to get back to, uh, so, so the method itself, I, I should describe this. I should probably slow yeah. down. I kind of got out of, kind of got out of, uh, yeah. over my skis here, but in some ways this is a call to slow down a little bit. So to run things through a yes. process, for, for example, like yep. the first step is to assess client goals. So I, I spoke yep. to, uh, do you know Andy Jarvis? He's like uh, a Brit. Ooh, yes. I love Andy. I love Andy. We actually had breakfast together twice at Search Love. No, I, I love what him. What a guy. That I, dude is amazing. Yeah. And, and I liked him. I, I had him on here. I liked it so much. I was like, you have to come talk to my whole team because this is something I think we struggle yeah. with, I, I, to be honest with you, is yeah. just talking to the client about their goals. It's not as easy right. as it sounds. I, I mean, like, totally. I was talking to someone this morning, uh, the law firm, they only care about branding. If you're talking to them all about, you know, the typical conversion or whatever metrics, we're bragging about something that like cost per conversion or something like that, that might not go well. This is a whole branding play. Like they just want as many eyeballs as they can. So, you know, why is goal setting tricky? And what tips do you have? Like kind of help, help describe that the interpersonal skills that need to take place mm -hmm. to deal with a client. So I feel kind of like for me, it's almost natural at this point because I've been doing people jobs my entire career, going back to the time when I was 18 working as a bellhop <laughs> in a hotel. And when you start as a bellhop, you know, if I'm nice to this person, I'm going to get a buck a bag and I carry their bags out of their yeah. room. <laughs> and so when you start from that place and you have a whole career sales, like those sales conversations feel a lot less manufactured and feel natural. But like in general, it's like most people and most clients, their goals revolve around money in one way or another. It's like, Generally, it's growing revenue. It's growing 
uh, lifetime value of each client, whatever it is, it's generally around money. And for most of the clients I work with, that's definitely the case. And mainly I'm dealing with e-com stuff. I'm not doing lots of B2B. I'm not doing lots of lead gen. I'm not dealing with form fills. I'm dealing with people buying stuff and checking out. Um, so those are like the problems I solve. So it's like, hey, you know, uh, I want to make sure that we're aligned around your goals. Let's let's confirm that we're moving in the right direction. Uh, you're a local bike shop. You want to move into e-com. What does success look like to you? And I shut the hell up. And they start talking. And I say things like, tell me more. Right. And? <laughs> really? Yeah. More? You know, and I just keep getting them to talk and talk and talk. And then I reframe and I'll say things like, what I'm hearing is, it's really critically important to you that we grow revenue by 20% this year. Is that an accurate capture of what we're working towards? And is that how you want to measure our success? Shut up and let them talk. And then, and then, and then they'll say yes or no. And if it's a yes, and then I can say things like, cool, that means that we can measure it like X or Y or Z. Does this sound like a way that we can collaborate together and work towards success? And then they'll say yes or no. And then you're building like an authentic relationship and it's grounded in what they want to accomplish. And then if I, assign, if I establish what their goals are, all of the actions that I take are towards yep. accomplishing those goals and making them money. That's 100% it. Yep. You, you have to be aligned on that. So, all right. So we're aligned yep. on goals. Let's say let's, in this hypothetical situation, we're aligned on goals. And the next phase in this methodology is to gather data. Easy enough. There are plenty of sources of data. Uh, there are data from the SERPs. You know, actually, the data from the SERPs alone is a lot. There's like people also ask. There's related searches, autocompletes. Sure. Not to mention Google products like Google Trends, Google Search Council, Keyword Planner. Now that I'm mentioning yep. it, there are so many sources of data that this can become overwhelming. We eventually need to get started doing yep. stuff. This can't scale if we're just collecting data all the time. So your recommendation, you can get the data with APIs. Explain this. How, how do you speed up the yeah. data collection process? Uh, well, the first thing is, I mean, if we're referring to like the two October's framework, mm -hmm. I think the thing that's most important is like a defining what the problem that we're solving for is. And in big picture, like at the engagement level, it's working towards client goals. And if we know what we, if we break it down into like a quarterly goal or a quarterly problem, and I think it's cool to go into a specific client example to kind of tell, to demonstrate it. Like working with one client, we were able to grow their revenues in the past five or six years from a place where they were doing about $50,000 a year online to almost $7 million in revenue in 2021. Whoa. And so... In 2022, the goal was to grow that revenue by like 40%. And so we had a, a really tough goal, right? And we, we had a strategy in place. We were executing the strategy. Three months in, we were, we were 42, 43, 44% up. And then after the fourth month, after April, we could see that trends were changing with impression volume. We were seeing changes on the paid side. We were seeing demand starting to shrink. 
we were seeing our revenue growth getting below that 40% threshold. So the problem was, how do I get back on goal? Right. And so the question in, about data gathering was, well, where can I find out where the problem is? And I started to establish what the data sources were and where that information needed to come from. And I quickly gleaned that I had access to their point of sale data that was aggregated from all of their locations into one. And so then I started playing around with the data exports out of the point of sale system. And I saw that the data was formatted. And this is the thing, like you start playing with stuff right. to see what's available. And you don't necessarily know what that road or where it's gonna take you. You just start, sometimes play is how you find things. So it's like column A is brand, column B is category level one, category level two, three, four, five, item name, cost per purchase, revenue per item. Holy shit, this is useful. I can filter <laughs> off of any one of those columns, right? Yeah. So I throw that stuff into a data studio report and it's super clear right away. Uh, oh yeah, and I gathered the data from exports from January of 2019 all the way through July or whatever of 2022. And what I was, and then I loaded it into BigQuery so that it would work much faster. So the tool itself would like be screaming fast. And what I saw was that there were out of all the brands, hundreds of brands that they carry, three brands were the problem. And, and it just jumped off the page. It was like, my biggest brand was down 33%. My normally biggest, second biggest brand was down 26%. And my third brand was down 58%. Oh my God. And I was like, well, I can build content to target these three brands. And if I build um, a brand guide, uh, category collection pages, model family collection pages, do really strong internal linking across all the content, hopefully I can rank better for this brand, boost topical authority for all of the categories that are not just that brand, but all the other categories. And, and what we saw was that the revenue turned for our test case. And then uh, we scaled that to the other brands that were problematic as well. We did not, we were not able to get back, back to goal. And that's, and that's the problem, right? Like is that sometimes no matter how good our strategy is, there are larger market forces at play. And, and that's sort of the, the stiff winds that we we're fighting against. But we were able to make progress on the brands that we were targeting and strategizing around. So, yeah, does that help? That's, that's the framework. I mean, that's, that, so that like, that's such a good way of describing. It. It's like start out with a goal in mind, work backwards from there, figure out when you're off track. I, I think that's exactly the the thinking, like the psychology of a, a good marketer. Um, well, hang on, I want I wanted to ask you one question. You started to talk about it. Um, yeah. Okay. So we talked about BigQuery before on the show. You mentioned it a little bit today. I would encourage anybody to revisit your first appearance on here to learn more about BigQuery. But for visualization's sake, you've mentioned it twice now, Google yeah. Data Studio. And I want to just kind of gloss yeah. over that. Why, you know, we've got all this data now. We need to use it. And we need a visualization tool that can help us do this without too much of a headache. Mm -hmm. uh, why is Google Data Studio yeah. the right tool for the job? Uh, so like many SEOs, I'm pretty cheap, <laughs> right? 
And what I love about Data Studio is the flexibility. Honestly, I feel like it's a tool that can be tweaked and transformed and nudged to do things that you didn't know were possible. Um, I feel like if the data source is Google BigQuery, it, it's screaming fast. And what I mean by that is if you use like a native uh, data studio connector for like Google Search Console, you might find that the page takes five seconds to 10 or 15 seconds to reload the data. And if that data is blended inside Data Studio between BigQuery and another data source, excuse me, uh, native connector and another data source, it could take one to two minutes for the data to load. And back at MozCon Local in 2017, I saw a guy from Portent in Seattle show off a, um, a GMB dashboard that used BigQuery as a data source. And I had never seen anything like it. He would click something and it was like, bam, no. and the data refreshed right away. And I was like, whoa, how did that happen? How was that, that possible? That, that and, and that was like, what started my learning journey. For yeah, it's, it, yeah, I'm sorry to cut you off. It's, it's like, it's it's like somebody's, you're watching somebody do voodoo for the first time. You're like, what did you just do? The speed of it is yeah. astonishing. Totally. Sorry. Um, yeah. Well, and, and so the two choices were, did it, like how the two things, how I picked them, like the technology to build on, yep. BigQuery is crazy fast and it's crazy cheap. And what that means is that for if you store, they let you store 10 gigabytes of data for free every month. And then for each additional gig gigabyte, it costs two cents a month, <laughs> which is like nothing, right? And if the data is older than 90 days, it's a penny per gigabyte. So it's like, why wouldn't you store it that way? You know? Right. Oh my gosh. You're getting, you're getting tons of 16 cent bills and stuff like that. I love it. Um, yeah. Well, I love that. Well, awesome. And then the, the last step in the, two, in the two October's playbook, you, you tease it a little bit. I want to try and uh, try and get a little bit more information because we have all this data because it's really accessible yeah. and easy to use. We can find that the data aligns with our clients goals now. Um, it has search mm -hmm. volume. It has a good chance of converting and all that. It's realistic versus compete, all, all these kinds of things. Now we're ready to actually do stuff. So now that we've gotten it, what's the last step of this to October's playbook to actually get going where, where the rubber meets the road? How do you begin to create topic? Well, we create, I mean, the first thing is we think about, we make a hypothesis. We've gleaned insights from the data. We've looked at it. We've written insights down, we look at them, and then we make a hypothesis, which is, I, um, I believe that if we build X content, we will grow uh, traffic by X amount per month over a period of six months. We make a hypothesis, and then we build the content to support that hypothesis, and we annotate it when we build it, and then we track the outcomes over time. And then we compare the results to the hypothesis, and then we make a decision about whether or not to scale that across more categories and more clients. And an example of that with Explorer was at, when I was building the tool, I wanted to have all these terms that aligned with different stages in the buyer's journey. And one of the cornerstone terms for the bottom of the funnel is for sale, right? And I, I saw in the report for one of our clients that they were getting eight times the amount of impressions 
for search terms that had the word sale or for sale in it. And my hypothesis was, what happens if, I believe if we add for sale as a page title modifier on our busiest collection page, that we're going to see major traffic growth and conversion growth. And what happened for that page was that all of a sudden went from like very, very limited quantities of clicks, zero clicks for the, for mountain bikes for sale Mm -hmm. to 400 clicks a week, (laughs) which turned into a lot of very expensive mountain bike sales. So it's stuff like that. So you test and then you see what the outcome is. And then you keep testing with other ideas and other hypotheses. And it's the cadence and speed of testing, which is going to impact outcomes, I think. And this is something that Will Critchlow talks a lot about. And if you have seen any of his decks from this year, he's hammering that point home really well with basketball terminology about shooting more three-pointers, right? And making more baskets. No, I love it. And I, I mean, I just, I love the way you get, you guys think. Um, it's, it's very strategic. So, um, well, well, listen, no, if people want to connect with you or learn more about two Octobers, what's the best way to do that? What's your favorite social yep. media? How do, how do people learn more? Uh, I'm crazy active on Twitter and my handle is just Noah learner and O A H L E A R N E R. And I'm also on LinkedIn. I use that platform a bit, but not a ton. I'm also on Clubhouse. My nickname on Clubhouse or username on Clubhouse is The Kraken. And uh, I host Clubhouse rooms most nights at 7.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time in a room called SEO Shooting the Poop, which is a poop emoji. And it's crazy, crazy fun, super smart SEOs, and it's a great little community. Awesome. And if you get to be friends with the people at 2 Octobers, they send you a calendar of all their dogs. And that's the only calendar I have hanging up anywhere in my house or office. It's very cool. So uh, make, make sure, make sure you do that. I mean, no, seriously, like you're one of my favorite people. You continue to astound me with how hard you work, how passionate you are. Uh, I love talking to you. I think I just think I, the way that you think and the way that your, your brain works is always captivating to me. We have to do this again sometime soon. And in the meantime, uh, you know, I wish you and two Octobers all the best. You're amazing, Mark. I'm so grateful to be here. And just thanks so much, man. Your support's amazing. All right, brother. Well, I'll give you a virtual cheers for now. For everybody else, we'll be back next week with another episode of Suzzin Search. Thanks, Noah. Boom. (laughs) 